0: in the hope that with God's grace and mercy, we can become the living, breathing, wonder-working saints that the world so desperately needs today. Hello, and welcome to episode 85 of the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. This is Christina Simmons, your host, and today is a one-on-one conversation with Dan Solusi. And we talked about his OSV talk, What If They Don't Come Back? And this was part of the OSV innovation talk series. And it was a fascinating conversation because we spoke not just about his talk and where he talked about, we need to name our fears and then we need to look at asking the question differently and reflecting on the answers because that's what leadership does and Many times when we ask the wrong questions, we stifle progress. And so we always have to be remembering that all of us are leaders. It's not just those who are quote in charge, but all of us are leaders. So all of us need to be reflecting upon the fact of, am I being ruled by fear? And if I am, how can I ask the question differently And then reflecting on that answer because it impacts everything in our lives. And fear is actually the opposite of love. I've said that a few times for people who have listened to me on different podcasts. But I really know that you're going to enjoy this great conversation that I had with Dan. So buckle up and see you on the flip side. Hello, and welcome to the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. I'm Christina Simmons, your host, and today is a truly fascinating day for me and I'm very excited for our guests to be with us today. Um, And so it's something where kind of buckle up and we're going to kind of hopefully test your mindset and get you to be thinking a little bit differently today. But my guest today is Dan Solushi from the Catholic Leadership Institute. And I'm not going to give you the standard introduction, Dan, I'm going to let you do that now. So welcome to the show and thank you so much for being here.
1: Christina, thanks so much for having me and, and uh, it's just a real privilege and, and um, really grateful that you reached out. Um, so I am first and foremost a, a husband and a father of four. Um, my wife Trisha and I have um, four little ones aging from 13 to four and uh, we live in the suburbs of Philadelphia, always have, probably always will. Um, I am a proud graduate of the University of Richmond Um, where I I went to school to actually go into the diplomatic corps. I wanted to be in the foreign service. And um, about halfway through my time um, in college, I had the opportunity, I had been involved with the Archdiocese of Philadelphia as a high school student in some of their leadership training. And uh, I was home for break, uh, summer break, um, while at Richmond back in Philadelphia. And uh, this gentleman had started This new institute, uh, Tim Flanagan um, had founded Catholic Leadership Institute, and he was looking for a summer intern. So uh, the the youth office kind of connected us and um, I met Tim and was just really inspired. Uh, And we were offering at that time Catholic Leadership Institute was all volunteer run um, working with young adults and offering retreats to help discern what God was calling us to in our lives. And so I went on one of those retreats and had a life changing experience. And uh, suddenly didn't feel so called to go into the foreign service as much as to go into service uh, of our Lord in the church. And so that set me on a course. I I worked at a Catholic college um, after graduating from Richmond for a little bit. And then Tim had gotten a grant to hire another full-time person. I think we were up to two or three at that point. And that's been the bulk of my career ever since is serving the church in bringing the best of leadership training and development um, that the world has to offer to our church leaders, whether they be bishops or priests or uh, deacons or religious or lay leaders, especially in the parish or the diocese. So um, it's been 16 years full time uh, in this apostolate and uh, five years uh, privileged to be the CEO um, and uh, have just enjoyed every minute of it. So i uh, gotten to see the church in all, all corners at all aspects, good, bad, and ugly, um, but really a blessing to kind of um, just see her beauty uh, in so many different ways.
0: Absolutely, amen to that. Um, I, I actually would say that uh, you did enter the diplomatic corps uh, just in <laughs> the world of, uh, of, of our beautiful church um, because you truly do have to be a diplomat. You really have to be able to couch um, the questions and, and the ideas. In order to truly be able to get people to think and to respond, and you know, so um, it, it's a beautiful tribute, um, especially to your talk, which uh, was you know the OSV innovation talk, you know, which is what if they don't come back? And I loved how you just kind of couched it a little bit differently in order to give a different emphasis, um, in order to be able to then uh, step into, uh, but would, would you just kind of summarize real briefly, what was the main idea that you wanted people to walk away from, from your talk? Sure. Yeah,
1: there are a couple, thank you, um, and, and it was uh, thanks to OSV for giving me the opportunity. Um, you know, when the pandemic started, uh, one of the things we, we, we do at Catholic Leadership Institute is look at data from where parishioners are in their faith life. So we have one of the largest studies on parish life in the world. And so when the pandemic first hit, I had this kind of giant pit in my stomach, um, knowing that you know a lot of the folks who are in the pews right now going to mass, um, they, they were kind of already questioning maybe why they were there, and maybe they had one foot out the door. And so here comes this pandemic, which kind of breaks a lot of our habits and, and um, in good ways and bad ways. Mm-hmm. thought, oh my goodness, we, we have to get in front of this um, because this is going to be devastating. And so I had this kind of on my heart and then OS- OSV, um, I was already scheduled to give a talk, the OSV talk, they, they deferred it because of the pandemic a couple of months and I just scrapped it. And I said, okay, first and foremost, we got to get this question out on the table because people were kind of thinking it and, and kind of alluding to it, but not really talking about it. And I thought, well, let's just put it out there and start talking about it. So that was one thing that I really wanted to try to accomplish is just kind of name name that fear Then mm-hmm. to look at it as an opportunity. Um, you know, as I said, breaking habits can be good and bad. And, and we had some bad habits that needed to be broken. And um, I saw and still see some of that opportunity. And I wanted to ask that question as well. And then really, invite everybody, uh, myself especially, um, to make sure that we were taking advantage of what the Holy Spirit was putting in front of us by way of those opportunities and making sure to to keep our focus on mission and reframe our mindset um, in some of the questions that we ask ourselves regardless of our role in leadership in the church. So um, so yeah, I kind of start out with that provocative question around what if they don't come back kind of meaning from the pandemic, but kind of turning that to say, well, what if they don't come back and what does that mean or could it mean for the way that we change our focus? And, and again, what the Holy Spirit might be inviting us to in that.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. Um, I, I think one of the biggest, uh, kind of the words that was, uh, there was kind of like two mindsets, you know, in the midst of the, as a pandemic was really deepening and it was, okay, um, you know, we can't wait to go back to, quote, normal, And then the other was hey here's a here's an opportunity how can we pivot how can we you know react and and in in the army we use that as how can we flex you know where's the enemy you know and how can we you know bear you know bring force to bear and um and you said something absolutely beautiful in your talk and it was leadership is about asking the right questions so often, I think, people think a question is just a question, and they don't realize that there's actually right questions we need to be asking. So could you go into that a little bit more?
1: Well, I, you know, I think if we look at the ultimate model, our ultimate model of leadership, which is Jesus Christ, and you look at his journey of leadership in scripture, he, he asked a lot of questions, and, and, and more so asked questions than I think made statements. So it certainly did that too, but so, so I think, um, you know, I, uh, a lot of what we do at Catholic Leadership Institute is facilitate conversations mm. that's necessary because people aren't having the necessary conversations because they feel comfortable kind of saying what's on their heart or saying what's on their mind or knowing the right way to do that or, or the effective way to do that. And so um, a lot of what we do in, in our work in ministry is trying to ask those questions that um, invite people to go a little bit deeper as to what's behind, um, maybe what's on their heart. Sometimes we're walking around, and, and again, I'm I'm guilty of this myself, and we're not even thinking about why we're thinking about something. You know, we're we're not we're not even stopping to say, why, why does this bother me, or or why do I feel excited about this, or um, and even after we spend all this effort in ministry, you know, whether we're a volunteer or we work at the parish are we stopping and saying what what was good about that and what could we do differently the next time, right? Even just that simple debrief, um, which I know is a huge part of the military. We have a a lot of um, former admirals and, and, uh, you know, military uh, leaders involved in our ministry and and they're always focusing on the debrief, right? And and learning from every opportunity. So I I just think those skills around questioning are so um, constitutive to who we are as Catholics. We really have to really uh, come back to that. And, and I think the more questions we ask before we make statements, I think that the further along we can kind of get in figuring out the right next steps. Um, but I think, it, I think the first steps are, are asking the right questions about anything that we're trying to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so if someone was uh, trying to, you know, quote, ask the right question or to determine if they are asking the right question about how they might be living out their faith life each day or how it is that they might be, you know, leading a group of people in a ministry, um, what are some of those questions that they should be looking at?
1: Yeah, good, great question. Um, I think one is how comfortable do I feel right now? and <laughs> And I think if the answer is very, then I think we're not really doing that good of a job, to be honest. Um, and and that's not a judgment as much as it is maybe just a check to say, it, it, you know, sometimes we in ministry and, and we're, we're all, we all can be guilty of this. We kind of do things that, and we feel good about ourselves, right? Well, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do as a disciple and hoping, you know, everybody else can. But, but um, you know, if we look at the crucifix, right, <laughs> that's our model of success. So Comfort is actually not what we should be feeling. It's not that we should be, you know, uh, subjecting ourselves to pain just, uh, you know, like a crazy person or something. But I think, it's, I think we should be asking the question, um, you know, am I uncomfortable? Is it, am I pushing kind of myself? Am I making sacrifice? Um, and, and I think, you know, that can be on big levels and that can be on really small levels, Christine. I think, it, I think you know, one of the places where I, again, going back to some of those uncomfortable conversations one of the reasons we don't do that, um, whether it's with our pastor or with a fellow parishioner or volunteer, is because we don't want to. We don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to make somebody else uncomfortable. But the reality is, the the better thing lies at the end of that discomfort, right? In, in the same way as the cross, right? We can't we can't rise if we don't die and and die to ourselves. So. I think that's one big question that I think we need to ask ourselves at all times is am I am I, you know, making or or am I am I overly comfortable or am I uh, you know, uncomfortable? And that's a good metric for us. Um, you know, I think um, I think another one that has become really important for me. I remember I was um, you know, probably about 10 years into into my career. I was feeling a little um I think kind of uh the the weight of the church on my shoulders right like as if this was all my responsibility like i was you know i I, a little bit of maybe a savior complex yeah i went to for spiritual direction for the first time and the spiritual director um kind of took me to jesus's temptation in the desert and pointed out that at every point in that temptation you know the devil tempts jesus to to prove it to prove he's the son of god and every time Jesus kind of knows the game and and he points back to the father. He doesn't take the bait. Mm -hmm. Spiritual directors advice to me, which has been a really important question that I always try to keep in my head is, am I what's right or am I trying to win? Mm -hmm. And I think so often, again, on little ways and big ways, a lot of times we're trying to win. Mm -hmm. That's not, I think, what we're called to. I think what we're called to be is faithful. What we're called to to do is to do what's right and so I think we got to check ourselves at different points along the way and say I mean whether that's with your spouse or you know I know sometimes with my children I just want to win <laughs> and and is that really what's best for uh for that relationship is that really what's best for the mission um and, and I think that's a, a, another big one that we should you know ask am I trying to win or am I trying to be faithful am I trying to do what's right
0: yeah no absolutely um and uh you know, it's so beautiful, you know, that uh, you went and received spiritual direction. Um, I'm a spiritual mentor. um, And so is my husband. And it's one of those things of where um, I joke with people all the time about the fact that so often we're so focused upon uh, getting my relationship right with God that we'll be worried about, you know, doing our daily prayer and meditation and coming to the sacraments frequently, trying to grow in virtue each day, you know, and growing in trust, abandoning ourselves to his will. And it's all about us, but we forget the fact that God doesn't expect us to do it. <laughs> he, he gives us this entire abundance of aid in order to help the journey, uh, one of which is the church, of course, you know, and, and the the magisterium and sacred scripture and tradition, but another, of course, is that gift of spiritual direction of having a mentor of having a director who can help you, but then, you know, the, the community itself, um, yeah. you know the the communion of saints, um, you know, having that small group of friends is is huge. Um, but uh, I'm I'm glad that that you made mention of that because it it is such an important point. We cannot do this on our own. We, no, we're not.
1: I mean, I think we're not. You know, we're not supposed to. And and I think when we when we believe that, um, you know, we we're going to do it all by ourselves, like I did at that at that point in my life. Um, you know, I think that's when we run into trouble. So if really, um, you know, it's really important to recognize, um, in some ways, recognize our insignificance in this whole story. <laughs> and, and, um, and I kind of, you know, I, I kind of play on that in the talk as well to say, you know, in the, in the great epic, right, of, of uh, Christianity, of salvation history, like we, we are not more than maybe a mere sentence or phrase, but but that's a sentence or a phrase that God willed to be present. So we have to kind of hold intention the reality that um, God uh, designed each one of us for a purpose, and that purpose is sacred and essential mm-hmm. in the story of of human history. Um, but it's it's just part of it. It's not the whole. You know, we have to kind of keep our, our perspective about that. I think
0: absolutely the the paradox that everything that I think, say, and do has eternal you know consequence. Right. But on the other hand, not so much that God doesn't take care of it. <laughs> right. 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 Exactly. Uh, You made mention of, you know, those couple of questions that you shared, which were beautiful, um, it's kind of like metrics, you know, for us Mm -hmm. to be able to, you know, keep track. Um, And, you know, what I've, you know, learned is that if you're not measuring it, then you're not going to be able to even try to, you know, improve it, make it better, you know, um, hit that sweet spot. Um, So, One of the things where many times people are here trying to win and one of the biggest metrics of winning uh, in church ministry, at least uh, within youth, young adults, and, you know, and then even in the pews now after the pandemic is numbers. Yeah. They get so wrapped up on the straight people, number of people there. But what are some better metrics that you guys have found, especially using the Discipleship Maker Index that think? You know people should be aware of instead of just just it's not that numbers don't matter the number of people but there's more that's going
1: yeah i mean i think we we do a lot with metrics and and would be wholehearted believers and agree in agreement with what you just said there around the importance of them and i think i think the the most relevant ones it's important to to make sure that we know um how to put those in perspective and so I, I think you know we have to look at both quality and quantity. And, and when I say quality, I mean quality of relationship, depth of relationship. Um, you know, I think when we think about the pandemic, the people who are in the parishes that we have been watching that have thrived, uh, not only survived but thrived in this last kind of crazy period of time, are the ones that um, prioritized relationship with people before the pandemic, but certainly during the pandemic. So. You know, we we will send out a million emails, but how many times will we actually pick up the phone and call somebody one on one? So we we were encouraging parishes to just go through their list and call people, and it was it was amazing to see the fruit that came from that. But then also to hear some of the parishes that were reluctant to do that, and and um, and part of what uh, you know their reluctance was, well, you know, we don't want to bother people, or people get so many phone calls already, or you know, and it was like, well, we're, we're not like an insurance company or something. I mean, we're the Roman Catholic Church of Jesus Christ. Like we can, we can call and and ask how somebody's doing or offer to pray with them. Like that's, and, and if they don't accept our invitation, that's fine. But, but how many invites are we getting out there? Right. So when we talk about metrics, I think we look at those, we tend to be very focused on some of those maybe lagging metrics, like how many people actually showed up. Right. But are we even looking at the leading metrics? How many people did we actually call one on one? How many people? Like I always say, you know, um, don't don't put it in the bulletin. Right? Nothing wrong with the bulletin. You can right. you can put it there. But if that's the extent of your communication strategy, you've got a long way to go. Pick, you know, get five people to call five people. Um, you know, right. that's a, a tale as old as time in, in the story of evangelization. And and um, and it it's. Again, it's uncomfortable for us to do that. That's why we don't do it. And so um, we have to ask the question, why is that uncomfortable? Um, And and one of the interesting things that we saw in our research, um, we ask people how frequently they share their story of faith with family or friends. Very low for Catholics, and and that's not surprising. Um, But one of the top reasons why is not because they don't have a story of faith. It's because they're afraid of the question they're going to get asked if they share their story of faith, meaning maybe something about church teaching or why the church does what it does or whatever. And, and so it's, it's almost like we, we don't even offer the story or offer our own witness, not because we don't have it to share and we don't know what it is, but because we just don't have that confidence. And so I think some of those leading metrics of how are we building people's confidence and how do we look at measuring how much confidence we have? And that is, comes down to phone calls that we're making people, you know, how we're inviting people to do different things. Um, And, and, uh, and and so I think, I think looking at some of that, those reasons uh, and strategies and how we're doing things, and then seeing hopefully that the fruit comes from that. Um, But, you know, I, I, I um, was talking to one pastor and he was asked to come do a parish mission. And uh, and so he arrives at this parish, not his parish, a different parish. Arrives at this parish, and five people are there for this this parish mission. Total failure, right? I mean, oh my goodness, we're having a parish mission. We're bringing a speaker in. There's mm-hmm. five people. this this priest who went to go do the mission said it was the best mission that he mm-hmm. ever did in his entire life because five folks and he sat down, they prayed together, they talked about just really, they had a really rich conversation, and for those five souls, it meant a lot, and that's, that, you know, we're not making widgets in the church, right, we're, we're about bringing people to Christ, and so every single person, every single soul counts, um, and so, uh, so certainly we want to pay attention to, to numbers and figures and things like that, and there are ones that, that matter, but, but I think we really have to look at that, that initiative that we're putting out there, and, and, um, you know, insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different result, so um, I think if we, you know, keep using some of those traditional methods without uh, other ones and we're not seeing numbers on the other side, I think we have to look a little bit upstream.
0: Yeah, that, that absolutely. Um, you, you make the, the beautiful point about um, people wanting to kind of go back to normal and normal was was not good. Um <laughs> I'm completely on board of course like i don't want to go back to normal um and uh i have embraced this entire time as you know a complete gift um and both my husband and i w- had covid uh, you know i mean it oh, took gosh. us for six weeks and you know it's just wow. like wouldn't wouldn't wish it on our worst enemy um and you know so it, it's something of where it's just like but even in the midst of that you know uh there was there was great blessings um but you, you said about, you know, what could forward look like? And you did, uh, you know, just a beautiful job kind of just brainstorming some of those what ifs. Um, and, but you started it with, you can't lose everything because God has already won. Yeah. So even though it might look like we might lose everything, God's already won. So what if? And um, so, I I liked your final question of what if God is calling us to something greater for you, where you're sitting, doing the work that you're doing, what do you kind of see, or what's in your heart of what that greater might look like
1: for me personally
0: or for the church? Oh, let's just have fun. Let's do both. (laughs) (laughs) Both and we are Catholic.
1: Yeah, there you go. That's true. Um, well, let me start with the church because that's easier, right? Um,
0: exactly. Well,
1: the um, there is you no. Know, when I look at the the facts and figures and metrics that we have access to, um, and I look at Western Europe, and I look at uh, Canada, and I look at you know just where we are, um, we're we're a- approaching just a huge general generational shift in the country, and it's it's and that's just that's just it it's life it's math it's it's not anything anybody did or didn't do it just it just is um another baby boomers equivalency yeah it's just it's it's a shift um that that's happening it's going to affect all different types of industries and i mean you know and so i think um for the church uh we have we parishioners especially have to be ready for the fact it's going to look differently and and so um and and that is not that that feels hard, and it sounds sad, but it doesn't have to be that. Um, and so, I think for all of us, it's a time to really be very clear about why we uh, believe what we believe. Um, you know, who who do we say we are in Christ, um, and really be, become clear and centered on that. And I think that's a great gift. Um, I think that's a great invitation always in our faith life, but uh, the circumstances of of where we are and how we are, um, you know, uh, have, have maybe compelled us a little bit more to answer that question. You know, it's interesting, I live in Philadelphia area. Um, you know, there, there, where I grew up, there are 10 parishes in a five mile radius, okay? Because there was an Italian church, there was an Irish church, there was a German church, et cetera. Yep. Um, the folks who left those, my, my grandparents who left Italy to come to the United States, they left behind everything they knew not because they were guaranteed anything, uh, but because they wanted something more. They wanted to, to, to discover something more for their children for the next generation. We're being called to the same exact thing. It just looks a little bit differently. And so um, are, will we honor that that call to be a pilgrim people and honor their legacy, or or will we keep wanting to go back to what, uh, what we had or, or kind of this idea that, you know, we're victims of this. Um, we're in we're mission territory, just as they were. It just looks differently. So I think there's a great opportunity right now, um, and this is what we are being called to, to just be really, really clear and centered um, on that. Uh, for me personally, you know, it's, it's um, it, your question strikes me because at the beginning of my talk, I kind of mentioned my son, Peter, um, who, uh, you know, asked me this question in church. And um, and, and then I, as, as you mentioned later, I kind of mentioned this question of, well, you know, what are you afraid to lose? What if you lose everything? And um, literally the week that the OSV talk came out, uh, my seven-year-old son was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And so, uh, so talk about kind of being kind of uh, have a mirror held up to me and being asked that question, like, are you ready, Dan? Are, are you ready to lose your only son, and have faith that if that's what God wills, that that's what God wills, and there's a reason for it. You know, praise God, he's, he's still with us, and we're, we're undergoing treatment, and we're walking in faith, but I think it's, it's a constant invitation for me uh, not to forget the words that I am offering to others, and to not be hypocritical in, in asking other people to believe, and have faith, and have hope um, in the midst of very challenging circumstances but not uh, lose that hope or that faith myself so for me um, the metric of success in the, in the next couple of years will be being faithful um, despite this this hardship that we're working through and so um, so yeah so I, I have to I have to live it personally as much as I called other people to live it in the talk
0: yeah I mean um, and, and, and thank you, you know, for for your witness your willingness to share um, because, that's what encourages each of us, is that we share our story of the fact of, you know, I don't have it all figured out, but I'm just going to take it step by step, because I truly believe in the promises of what our Lord says, that even in the midst of all of this, he's present, even in the midst of all of this, he will strengthen us, even in the midst of this pain, this suffering, whatever it is, that he is here, um, yeah. and yeah. That everything makes a difference, and it all depends on how we respond and how we're willing to either yoke ourselves to Him or not. Um, and so, uh, but but thank you you know, for that. Um, one of the uh, the the pieces of that of you know are we called to something greater? Um, so, are you familiar with the the series, the Chosen? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So, yeah. so, so your tagline needs to be, get used to different. <laughs> right. that's, right. that, that's one of the taglines. Uh, you know, So uh, get used to different. Um, it needs to just kind of be our way of being, get used to different. Um, and But a lot of people will ask the question, what are some steps that I might be able to take, you know, as a parishioner in the pew? What are some steps that I could take in order to be moving towards what this different looks like?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, we talked about um, the right questions to ask. And so, um, and and my pastor was incredibly helpful to me um, when our family began kind of this journey. And, and uh, you know, I went and talked to him and, and I was kind of asking the why questions, why is this happening or what, you know, And and he's like, that's totally normal, Dan, for you to ask. He said, but instead of asking why, he said, it might be more helpful to ask, God, where are you in this? And and I think for every parishioner, every Catholic, anyone, right? um, I think we need to first make sure that when we're confronting any type of situation in our lives, and certainly one related to our parish or our church, we're, we're stopping to not ask why or assume that it's bad, but to to really pray and ask God, where are you in this, right? Mm-hmm. Invite the Holy Spirit into to those conversations and to be a person who invites the Holy Spirit into the conversations. That's kind of number one. I think the number, the, the second thing is, you know, um, you mentioned earlier, you know, uh, God doesn't want us to do this alone. And God uh, certainly gives us relationship with him, but gives us relationship with each other to be of relationship with him. So, as every single person who is baptized is called to be looking for people to be in relationship with, um, to, to be in relationship with, to, to get to share life with, but all, ultimately to be able to share Christ with. And so um, when you're in the, you know, coming out of church and now that hopefully maybe we don't have to wear masks and, and we can see each other's face, you know, full faces. You know, look for the people who look like they have something on their mind, you know, and they, they're wearing it on their face and and maybe, you know, figure out a way to engage them and just introduce yourself or just give a kind smile. Um, I know it sounds trite, but I don't think that it is. I think, you know, when we study parishes that are doing really well, it's not the big programs or, um, mm-hmm. you know, massive initiatives that are really that it's people talking about a culture mm-hmm. and People feel known. People feel appreciated. People feel like the community has their back. And and that is us keeping our eyes out um, for each other. And I think everybody can do that. Everybody can play that role Mm
0: -hmm.
1: in our parishes. Um, And and it goes a long way. I can tell you, I have the measurements to show you. It goes a long way when each one of us recognizes that culture is ultimately all of our contributions to the parish. you know, uh, the, the parish is the people uh, and the, the law of the church distinguishes between the church building and the parish. The parish is the people. And then there's the church building. So um, whatever we are doing or not doing to contribute to that culture matters a lot. And so I think we all have that opportunity to be those kind of another set of eyes looking out for people who might need us.
0: Oh, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So um I can't believe our time is already coming to an end. Um, time flies when you're
1: having fun, right, Kristen?
0: It does. It, it definitely does. Um, so, you know, as we're kind of uh, concluding and ending, um, if you were to, you know, besides you, you just gave us a beautiful, um, you know, what's a step that we can do, you know, trying to build that culture around us. Um, if you were to share one thing with someone um, about, you know, how it is that we can go out on mission to uh, respond to that being something greater. What, what's, the, what's the desire that, that you would want people to, to talk about?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, you, um, in your pr- prayer when we started, you I offered one of my favorite lines from scripture, which is to always be ready to give reason for your hope. Um, and I love, I love that passage because it, um, it, it kind of assumes that we are wearing the joy of Christ on our face so much so that people are, are propelled to ask us and, or we have to be ready for the reason, right? Like, why are you so hopeful? Right. So I, um, you know, I, I think about this, this period of time that we've been through, and how alone people feel um, and have felt, and, and just in general, how, how many people feel alone in life. Mm-hmm. And we have to, to really appreciate the fact that as Catholics, we have the secret to that yearning that everybody on the face of the earth has, which is not be alone. Mm-hmm. We, know, we know that we're not. Um, and, and so if you had something, if you had this, this treasure that literally could save the world, um, wouldn't you want to offer it? Mm-hmm. And I think when we think about our faith, and, and I guess maybe what I, I hope is on my heart and on anybody's heart who's listening, is that when we walk out of our parishes or we're, we're in the parking lot or we're in the grocery store, um, do, do people know that we are Catholic? Do they know and are, are they compelled to ask why we are so hopeful? Um, and, and do we really appreciate that just like the, the vessels that hold Holy Communion, too, mm. by our baptism, are consecrated? We are set apart for, for a purpose. And and so, um, gosh, what an incredible reminder uh, that needs to be for, for all of our brothers and sisters that, that God— kind of anoints each one of us with a purpose and and wants that for us. Um, and, and I think if we can share that and make sure that's on our heart and a reminder for us, I, I think we'll be in, in great shape. Beautiful.
0: Absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much.
1: Um, Thank it, you. Thanks for what you're doing. Thank you for, again, for your service to our country and for our, to our church, because uh, it makes a difference.
0: Not, not at all. Uh, it, it, it's a small world, um, and uh, it's it's been a great joy uh, to be able to speak with you today, and especially, you know, to see the work that you're doing and the impact that it's having. Um, and uh, so, know my continued prayers for your apostolate too.
1: Thank you, so, thanks so much, everyone.
0: Thank you for your time uh, today. I hope that you found this conversation to be ins- inspirational as well as encouraging, and I hope that it helps you be able to continue to. Do whatever it takes so that you continue on the path to holiness. So today together we can tell the Master of Death, not today. God bless. So what might be some resolutions that we can take from the conversation that Dan and I just had? Well, one of the things is for us to reflect upon what are we afraid to lose? And we need to do this so that that way we can identify our fears and then we can start asking those questions differently. And then another one would be, what if God is calling us to live and to strive for something greater? And if so, what is that? And to spend some time in reflection on that question as well. And then the other, go and do something that makes you uncomfortable. Go and do something that you just don't feel totally comfortable doing yet. It might be reaching out to someone who's in need. Uh, might be uh, just talking to the person next to you in the pew at church. Or it might be going and volunteering for that ministry that you've always been kind of interested in, but you weren't quite sure that you were the right fit. Well, go and do something that's uncomfortable. Those are a few things that you can be doing. So, are you tired of life getting in the way of achieving your dreams? Or are you getting frustrated because You try to get going, but then you get distracted. Well, I'm going to be doing a very special unhackable training coming up at the end of August. And it's going to help you determine your personal recipe, give you simple ways that you can prioritize your time so your most important tasks are always going to get done. I'm going to help you set and align your goals to help you pursue and achieve that deepest desire you have all in the midst of helping you balance your home life and your work life. So if this is something that you know would help you, then I need you to go to SayYesToHoliness.com and sign up for the unhackable training that's going to be coming up on either Saturday, August 28th at 8.30 a.m. Eastern or Sunday, August 29th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I want to go deep with a small group so that's why i'm making two options available so it's first come first serve whoever gets in and says hey i'm in and i'm going to cut it off because i want to be able to go deep again to really help you so if you want to really recapture all those feelings of excitement and joy and freedom that you experience before you got buried in all the to-do's that are taking you away from the thing that you most want to do, then this is the training. That's for you. Again, go to SayYesToHoliness.com and sign up for the unhackable training today. Thanks again for spending time with me today. If you have any suggestions for upcoming podcasts, Please leave me a voicemail using the link in the podcast show notes, or message me through the Say Yes to Holiness Facebook page at Say Yes to Holiness, through my website at www.sayyestoholiness.com, or send an email directly to me at Christinasimmons at gmail.com. I look forward to the opportunity to continue the conversation we have begun here. In the interim, please know my continued prayers for you and your loved ones, especially that each of us may continue to strive to do whatever it takes in order to grow in holiness as we continue to tell the Master of Death, not today. I look forward to having a conversation again with you soon.